This is Wrestling for the Faith. Wrestling for the Faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I am Casey, and today I am joined by good friend and host of the Testimonies with Terry podcast, Terry Skaggs. How are you, brother? Dude, I am. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm pumped. Yes, sir. I'm glad to talk to you. I know that, you know, we had uh, Josh and Tanya on last week uh, from the After Amen podcast and and Jason the week before. And, you know, it's something that we've been talking about over the last several weeks without even realizing it, how the Lord just connected all of us from all over the country. You know, uh, we're we're all different kinds of people from all different kinds of places and through well podcasting, but, but I guess the, the initial, uh, you know, of course, Jesus and, and wrestling. Yes. So it's, it's been very interesting to me to, to see how the Lord has brought people into my life and how, you know, Guys like you, guys like Jason, guys like uh, Josh, Tanya, and, and the whole Stroop family, and 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 others are just. You guys are usually a regular part of my week, if not a regular part of my day. I mean, y'all are. We've just become this big kingdom family, and uh, so I'm I'm glad to have you here, and and I'm just amazed at what the Lord has done and what He's going to continue to do. Yeah, man, it's it's amazing. Like you said, wrestling and the love of Jesus, but wrestling was really kind of the thing that connected all of us. And, you know, I had Chad on my podcast last year, which led to um, really getting that string in my heart when I heard you guys talk about the Remnant Youth Retreat, and I just knew I had to be there. And so that's where I got to meet you and uh, Jason and Connor uh, uh, was there, Connor Stroop. Mm-hmm. And man, it's just been, like you said, it's kingdom family. We're, we're all in separate states, but we're still family. It's it's just awesome. It is. A lot of times me and Chad will sit back and and we'll we'll talk about stuff like this and and say, man, that's crazy. but really it's kingdom normal yeah the the things that the things that are miraculous or the things that are just absurd to our human mind that god does we should actually expect those things that's kingdom normal what we live in on a day-to-day basis in this world is crazy but you know what what we see God do through through these relationships and and things of that nature that should just be you know oh yep that's kingdom normal yep and hey <laughs> if he can use wrestling to bring people together he can use anything right <laughs> exactly exactly so let let's talk about you for a little bit i want to get into your podcast i want to get into your career here in a little bit but but so wrestling was one of those uh, big connections that drew us all together. So what are your earliest memories of wrestling? And and when did you become a fan? Man, nine years old. It was one of the first episodes of SmackDown WWF at the time. And my dad was flipping through the channels. And I, I can't remember everyone that was in the ring, but I know the big show was for sure. And obviously you're just fascinated by a guy like the big show, right? This tall dude. 
And man, it, it was just the theatrics of it, the presentation of it that just hooked me in. I, I loved I loved even just the entrances, right? You know, the music and everyone had their own unique entrance. And man, I've literally been sucked in ever since. Uh, when I got saved in 2010, I really felt the Lord call me to just kind of like cleanse myself for a period of time from just all the stuff that I was really into before mm-hmm. coming into relationship with him. So it was, it was a good, probably five, six years where I was kind of off the radar with WWE. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, my wife and I just kind of started getting back into it and been following it ever since. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's the storytelling, right? You know, it, it's the male soap opera. It's, um, I love it. You know, a lot of people can bash on it, but I don't care. I just, I will always be a fan of professional wrestling. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And and I'm, I'm in the same boat with you now. Like I remember uh, being little bitty. I mean, I'm talking three, five years old. I have these vivid memories of, of, uh, uh, like I remember one watching the road warriors and I might've been even younger than three and, and running to my dad. And I mean, they terrified me, uh, Vader, the same thing. I remember, uh, we were at a, at a WCW, uh, event at, uh, UTC arena in Chattanooga and dad's got me down there at the rail. And, and then, Vader comes up and that's when he was wearing the big Mastodon head yeah. thing, blowing smoke and everything. And he walks up and does the big rod and I wrap around my dad's neck and, uh, whew, but, but those are some of my earliest memories. And, and like, I really loved like the crow sting transformation. Yeah. I was always a sting fan. Uh, and then the crow transformation was cool. And then along come Austin 316. Mm-hmm. And and I remember watching it with my dad one day. We flipped over to WWF and 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 dad goes, Hey, that's old Stunning Steve. And I went, No, Stunning Steve had hair. This was because yeah, <laughs> you know, we're we're from down south. So most of you know, I would watch the WWF stuff, but most of what I was keeping up with was the NWA, the WCW stuff. And so when I when I started seeing him and what he was doing, and then of course after the King of the Ring '96 and how he exploded and everything, I was like, wow. Uh, I do remember a time w- w- I was raised in church, and I remember. Um, my dad getting me an Austin 316 shirt. And I remember him bringing it to me when he come to pick me up one weekend. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But I was like, eh, that just don't sit well with me. Yeah. And I, I never actually wore the Austin 316 shirt. I, I hung it up in my room, but I never, I never actually wore it out anywhere. But <laughs> That's just those early seeds of Jesus too, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that was my getting hooked, you know, pretty much from the time I could open my eyes up until, you know, then getting into watching Austin, the Attitude Era and all that stuff. Of course, I look back now and I'm thinking, there is no way I would let my kids watch that. Right. <laughs> right. I've been, I've been, uh, watching some of the past, like raw is wars. And I'm like, Oh man, 
yeah, I, I probably shouldn't be watching this part of it. Right. And so you fast forward through it. Yeah, man, it's, it's even just interesting, like society, right? Like there's no way in, in today's day and age, you could get away with a lot of those things that they did back in that day, you know, whether it's with the women or um, just some of the storylines, like it's, it's really kind of a reflection of society and how much it's changed. But um, yeah, as a nine-year-old watching all that, you know, I didn't grow up um, saved. I, I grew up Catholic, but my, my parents obviously didn't really care. <laughs> you know what I was watching on, on a SmackDown and raw, but yeah, dude, it's a completely different product. And, um, man, I had Lillian Garcia on my podcast and I, I, I was kind of talking to her about them. Just like, you know, the women were presented quite a bit differently than they are now. And, you know, kind of what was that like for her? So it was interesting just getting her perspective on that. But um, yeah, you know, I, I, in a way, I am glad that they've gone PG and, and have cleaned it up, but still always have those fond memories of, uh, of the Attitude Era, man. Well, and, you know, I've, I've, it comes on my Hulu. And so I'll go back and I'll skim through. I honestly, it don't matter what it is. I cannot stand to sit through two or three hours of wrestling anymore. Yep. Uh, now I could, I could probably, if I was alone, no distractions, uh, didn't have anything to do. I could probably turn on like some old, like an old WCW pay-per-view or an old eighties NWA or, or maybe even a WWF, but the modern stuff, I mean, I, I love it. I've got some friends who are there and they're doing good and everything. And, and it's, it's great. Um, you know, in, in multiple different promotions, you know, stuff is booming right now. And, but I just, it's just hard for me to sit down and watch that much. Um, I guess it's true what they say that, that people's attention span is just not what it used to be, but yeah. you know, I'll go back on Hulu and I'll skim through and, I'll look at the main storylines. I'll catch the main promo spots. And, um, but I, I couldn't tell you when the last time I actually watched a match was probably when somebody has emailed me a match and asked me to review it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think the last full match I watched is probably the Royal rumble match. You know, that's always a, a fun match to see. And, you know, with WrestleMania coming up this weekend, I've kind of actually even been thinking about that. I'm just like, am I actually going to sit down and watch like what, eight hours total of wrestling this weekend? Probably not. Right. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned the rumble and I'll take that back. I was, we were in Mississippi with the Stroops uh, and, and they had the rumble on. So of course I had to, I had to sit through that, but that, yeah. that was, you know, I just now, when you mentioned that, that was the last thing that I actually sat through. And uh, I I didn't enjoy all of it. I enjoyed watching them because they're total, total wrestling fans. <laughs> I mean, they're the kind of people that, that wrestlers want in that crowd, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, anyway, go ahead. No, yeah, no, I'd love to watch uh, some wrestling with, with the Stroop family, you know, just getting to meet. Connor and uh, Quinn and, and, and those guys at the retreat, uh, solid dudes. And uh, yeah, love, love the Stroop family, but I, I'm the same way, man. I can always skim through it. Uh, I'll, I'll pay attention to, like you said, the big storylines, but uh, attention span. And, and yeah, it's just, just not the same as what it was when I was a kid. Right. It's just not as uh, I think Vince Russo calls it like the crash style TV, right. Where it's just like, yeah. boom, boom, one thing after another. And 
doesn't hold my interest as much as it used to, but I, I definitely like staying current with, with what's going on in the product. Right. So let's transition back to your childhood. You mentioned that you were raised Catholic. So how was your upbringing? Yeah. So, you know, raised Catholic, basically what that meant is you go to church, usually Saturday night. We'd, we'd go to Saturday night mass because no one liked waking up early on Sunday morning besides my dad. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we would go to like religion classes or faith formation classes Wednesday nights. And you, you go through the confirmation and the seven sacraments and all that stuff. And you know, looking back at it, it, it put a fear of God in me, but maybe not the best kind of fear of God, because mm. my idea of God was he's just this angry dude up in heaven, just waiting for me to screw up so that he could yeah. send me to hell. And it, 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 there was no love there, right? It was it was just based out of obligation, duty and just fear of hell. Um but it also, you know, just with the Ten Commandments, even it did instill like a good moral code within me, like throughout high school, even I was always one of the guys in the group that didn't really do the same things as everyone else, you know, as far as picking on people or going out and drinking and everything like I just I had that moral code, moral conscious within me and um that fear of God really was just like, nah, I, I just don't feel like that's right. And so, yeah, it, it was the sense of like kind of knowing what was right and wrong, but dude, I didn't know who Jesus was. I had no idea that he was God in the flesh. I didn't know what the resurrection was, what the crucifixion meant. And, you know, th they probably talked about it, but, you know, speaking of wrestling, like the masses were so boring for me to sit through <laughs> that I would literally like, you know, I talked earlier that I loved the entrances and I would just, in my mind, try to go through the whole roster and just go through the entrances in my mind to just eat up that hour so I could get through it and get out of church. <laughs> so that was my experience. <laughs> wow. So now I, I've never been to a Catholic service. I have, you know, there's, of course, a lot of their doctrines that I totally disagree with. Um, but so you mentioned that you had a fear of God, but not necessarily the right kind of fear. Yeah. So how did you come into, you mentioned earlier that you got saved in 2010. Yep. Tell me about that. And then how was it coming out of the religion side of things with that strong fear of God's going to strike me down when I screw up? to coming up into the understanding of who Jesus actually is. Yeah, man, 2010 was probably the most pivotal year of my life and also one of the most difficult. Uh, I started the year uh, really just depressed, dealing with uh, tinnitus, the, the constant ringing in the ears. I was having a ton of ear issues and just couldn't really get uh, anything to, to solve it. And uh, dude, back at that time, the Minnesota Vikings, were my life and 2010 NFC championship game. It was the bounty gate game where the saints beat us. And I, I was watching it with my buddies and like to just illustrate how huge they were in my life. When we lost, I said, I need to get drunk. Like I was always the guy that said, no, I'm never going to drink. And up until that point, I never touched a dr uh, drop of alcohol, but they were all too happy to oblige. And took me to a dorm room and I, I got drunk, drove home drunk. That started to become a pattern over the next two or three months. 
And also at that same time, it's really cool. God was working because January 2010, when all this was going on, I started up at a college and one of the girls in my class had invited me to a Bible study. And to be honest, I only went because I thought she was good looking. Like I didn't have a whole lot of interest just based off my past of just like learning about the Bible. I'd never read it. I was never encouraged to read it, but I went and dude, the, the, the way people talked about Jesus, it's as if they knew him. I was, I was blown away by that. It, it kind of in like a weird way, just like, okay, what's wrong with these people? Yeah. But like also in a way where it's just like, I think I want that too. And so it was this interesting dynamic of like on the weekends, I'd be going out and partying and hanging out with my old high school crowd. But during the week, I became friends with that girl and and her friends, you know, my Christian friends, as I called them. And it was almost like I was living this double life. And it just got to a point, I think it was like April of that year, April 2010, where I woke up from a hangover and I could not remember if I had sent a drunk text to, to that girl. Uh, and this was before smartphones where you could go back and read text threads. <laughs> and so I, I was literally just like, well, I guess she'll tell me if, if I did or not. Thankfully I didn't, but that was, that was the turning point where it's just like, you know what? I can't do this. I can't live both, both ways. And so I was, I just kind of made that decision where I got to drop that high school crowd and I got to go all in on, on this. Like there's something to this. I feel better when I'm around them and I'm starting to get to know who God is. I bought a Bible the following month, May of 2010. And by October of 2010, I'd read that thing cover to cover. Like I just could not get enough of it. And uh, man, I mean, my testimony goes on and on, but I was struggling with a huge porn addiction at that time. And finally, November 7th, 2010, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was alone in my room and I just cried out to God and said, God, if you're really who this book, the Bible says you are, you can take this addiction away from me. I can't. I've tried everything. Nothing's mm-hmm. working, but I believe you can. And so I just give you my all. And I didn't know really, like I said, what I was doing that moment. I didn't realize I was giving my life to the Lord in that moment, but I was. Yeah. And dude, dude, the addiction stopped that night. And uh, it's been you know going on 13 years now, just living for the Lord. That is awesome. That is awesome. So when, when you when you come into this relationship with Jesus, was there a struggle for you given your religious upbringing? Was there a struggle to understand your freedom in Christ, your identity in Christ? Was there that tug of war where, were there, was there a mixture between law and grace that you felt like you had to keep or, or how was that for you? No, I mean, honestly, dude, God's grace covered me that way. Like I, I was so almost, I guess, relieved would be the right word to just hear of the love of God and the grace of God. Again, these are things that I was never really taught growing mm-hmm. up. And so to get those revelations and, and to learn about that, uh, especially at that time in my life where I was, you know, depressed and dealing with addiction and I was also struggling with an eating disorder, like to know that there was unending love and mercy and grace for me through Christ Jesus. That was exactly what I needed. And, and I just, I just ate that up, man. I consumed it. I believed it because I felt it like yeah. there, there was something going on within me and I'm getting chills, even just talking about <laughs> it. Like there was something going on within me where I knew this was real. I, I knew that this, this, 
This wasn't just me making this up, that this wasn't some, you know, magical fairy tale that people were trying to get me to drink the Kool-Aid of or anything like that. Yeah. Like this was real. And so thankfully, no, I didn't have that struggle. Like I was just honestly so relieved to, to not have to keep a law, right. To not be under yeah. that religious spirit anymore. And to, um, you know, really just get into the right fear of God of just like, no, I, I actually want to live for God because he's been so good to me. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to desecrate what he did at the cross for me. You know, how, how could I, uh, want anything other than everything that he wants for me? And so, yeah, man, his grace just really carried me through that transition. And just looking back at that whole period, I mean, like I said, 2010, like I was going through all those things and he brought the perfect people into my life, you know, and, and even that transition from that high school crowd to the new crowd was so seamless. He was just so good to me. And he just continues to blow me away with his goodness, man. He's such a good dad. Yes. Yes. And that's, I'm so glad that you did not have that issue, but I know so many who, who do have the issue of, and I mean, even a lot of the Protestant churches today, they still preach a mixture of law and grace. And, you know, it's, it, people get mad whenever I say this, but it's what Peter and John and the early apostles were teaching before Paul came along with the revelation of the, the understanding of what the cross actually did. You know, the, the early disciples uh, who were Jews, they were, they were preaching. Yeah. Jesus is the Messiah. He died for you, but you still got to keep the law and do this and this and this and this and this. And that's how a lot of churches still are today. I think without even really realizing it sometimes they, yeah, you, you're saved. You're, you're on your way to heaven. Jesus has set you free. He he washed away every sin, every stain that you've ever had. Uh, but you know, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this where people get so mixed up with the gotta do's and the, the, I need to do's and all that. When you're truly born again and the Holy Spirit is living in you, he leads you and guides you into these truths. He convicts you and and tells you which way to turn. You want to live a righteous and holy life. You want to do, you want to keep the law without even realizing, oh, I'm I've got to keep the law. Yeah, that's that's where people get. So we were talking about it at at KFG uh, Sunday. So many people don't realize that it's, you know, so many they're like, oh, well, you know, I got to come to Jesus. If I come to Jesus, I've got to give up my my drugs. I got to give up my women. I got to give up my my alcohol and my partying and all my fun. They don't realize he says, come to me, come to me, come as you are. Yeah. And he will clean that stuff up. What they don't realize is when you're truly born again, your desires begin to change. And some can be like your uh, porn addiction and and my uh, alcohol addiction at the time that I was saved. Some people, it goes away instantly. And then some people those temptations and those struggles are there for a while. They, they cling for a little bit, but what, what people need to understand is that Jesus, 
he will, the Holy Spirit, Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit, he'll cleanse you of all of these things. He will change those desires. And that's how people ultimately know that they're born again is, yeah, you mess up. Well, do you feel an inner voice inside of you saying, hey, you're better than that. That's not what I've created you for. This is, you know, or do you feel nothing? If you don't feel anything, okay, then the Holy Spirit's not there. Yep. But but it's it's about him changing us, not us having to change ourselves before we come to him. And I think that's where so many people are mixed up and so many people have so much struggle in actually just coming and giving their hearts to Jesus. Yeah. You know, the, the verse taste and see that the Lord is good comes to mind, right? Like once you really get a taste of who Jesus is, it, it's like you you become so obsessed with that that you don't want anything else than that. Um, and like you said, he just, he begins that process. There's, there's really nothing that we can do other than just open ourselves up to him, bear ourselves before him and just said, just say, Jesus, have your way with me. Mm -hmm. And one, one thing you were talking about the, the fear factor a minute ago, um, first John four talks about perfect love casts out all fear. And when I know for me, when I came from that place of, like you, I always saw God. And he was this big, big muscular dude with long gray hair, long gray beard. I don't yeah. know, but the, in my mind, that that was him. <laughs> and, and he's got Bam Bam from the Flintstones Club. Yeah. And I mean, as soon as you mess up, he's just ready to whack you, you know? And when I have started coming into my true identity as a son of God. I'm no longer just a servant. I'm no longer just a friend. I'm no longer just somebody who, you know, was saved from hell. I'm a son of God. And when I started coming into that understanding, that perfect love begins to cast out all of that fear. Yeah. You may go through things and he might allow something to discipline you. But as Hebrews 12 says, you know, your earthly fathers disciplined you, you know, so don't think it's strange that he does. But it, it's it's even his his judgments, his wrath, all of these things. They're all love. All of those things are aimed at anything that is interfering in his perfect love, casting out all fear. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, and I, and I feel like society has that so twisted, right? Like they, they see that as, well, that's God being hateful and, and mean and everything. But I mean, again, like you're saying, like those are the people that haven't had that experience with the Holy spirit. They, they haven't been transformed and yeah, your whole view of love changes when Christ comes into your heart and kind of an example for me, like the, the, the moment where I started to recognize that, okay, wow, like Jesus has done something in me was the, the night or the day or whatever that Osama bin Laden was murdered, was, was killed, whatever. Um, I remember seeing it on the TV. I was coming upstairs, getting ready to go to bed and they were showing it. And my initial reaction was, man, I I'm actually sad 
because not not that he was dead necessarily because obviously he you know did a, so many horrible and evil things mm-hmm. but the fact that this is a man that you know and i don't know his heart or what he did you know before he died but most likely this is a man burning in hell for all of yep. eternity and like that's where it hit me we're just like well i'm i'm looking at things different because before i would have just been like yeah you know he deserved it screw him and all that stuff right yeah. but like my initial reaction was just like dude he's he's probably burning for all of eternity right now and that saddens me because i can't none of us can fathom how awful that is right and obviously you know he he deserves it by not living for jesus but man that that's just the the love of christ it just changes you it changes your perception on things and that was the moment where i know okay there's something different going on in me yeah yeah that you go from that oh that person deserves it and oh well they made their bed let them lie in it to you have that compassion for people like yeah and and i I believe it's a casting crown song where there's a line in there that says something like lord break my heart for what breaks yours yeah and you know it's that's what happens and the closer we get to jesus the more that happens the more we have that compassion that he has and the more we have that love for others uh as he has i don't know if if you uh watch the the kfg service from this past week or not but that was one of the things that that i felt led to discuss and correct uh, is, you know, all of my Christian walk, I have heard that, you know, tongues is the initial physical evidence of, of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in most cases, I have watched that happen. That is usually something that that is a noticeable um, thing that happens when somebody is. But if they're not flooded with love, love for God and love for others, then there's something wrong. Yeah. And, and that should be the, that should be the biggest sign of somebody being completely overflowed with the Holy spirit is they love people like Jesus loves people. Yep. Yeah, man. If, yeah. what What's the verse where, you know, if you have all these things and you do all these things, but you don't have love, then you really don't have anything. Yeah, First Corinthians thirteen. Yes, yep, there it is. Um, so, two thousand ten, you get saved, and so do these friends that you're hanging around with. Do they they get you plugged into a church, or or how does how does that transition go? Yeah, I started going to church with uh, some of them, and I mean that was a whole experience too. You walk in, and there's a whole band there, <laughs> and 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 not just an old lady playing the organ. And people are actually excited to be there and want to be there. Right. And I'm I'm not bashing the Catholic church by any means. This is just my experience, but growing up, you could just kind of tell people didn't really want to be there. It was more of an obligation, but going to, you know, these e-free churches, non-denominational churches is just like, wow, like people actually want to be here. And they're actually like hanging out after service to like fellowship. They're not just, you know, quickly getting out as, fast as possible to go home and do whatever for the day. Right. And so, yeah, I ended up uh, going to the church where I met my wife and uh, yeah, just getting plugged in and 
um, doing small groups, doing more Bible studies and that discipleship factor, man, that is so important. Uh, there, there's a reason, you know, scripture talks about it so much because you need people around you. Like if, if I didn't have people around me during that time, discipling me, I would have been like the, the seed that fell in, into the cracks or, uh, whatever that reference is where there was that initial change, but nothing would have happened after that. And so again, I I'm just so thankful. God brought those people into my life. Definitely. So uh, how old were you in 2010? I was 20 years old. Okay. And so now I want to get into your career. Yeah. Tell us what it is that you do. Yeah. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I work from uh, with clients from the ages of like 12, 13 to, you know, elderly, right? There's really no cap to it. And working with individuals, working with families, and I'm blessed to work at an agency where I'm able to do Christian counseling, where uh, I can pray with clients. I can bring up scripture. We can talk about the goodness of God. Uh, I firmly believe that the only way you can ever get true lasting change and transformation, uh, you know, along with that is through Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, therapists, you know, that, that aren't operating, you know, from the spirit and, and doing it from a secular standpoint, you, you can get good advice and some good tools from them. That's only going to get you so far. You are not going to get healing deliverance or transformation without Jesus Christ. And so I'm i I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed to just work with an agency that uh, they're just sold out for Christ. We're unashamed about it. And that's what I get to do every day. That is awesome. So what, what gave you that desire to, to do that? And was it always, uh, being a, a Christian therapist or was there other secular jobs that you had or that you thought about taking? How did that work out for you? Yeah. So I, I guess it kind of goes back to sixth grade, the good old, uh, AOL instant messenger days, the aim <laughs> days. Right. And yeah. I don't know, man, my friends would just hop on there and they would uh, inevitably just kind of start opening up about their problems. And I would just listen and try to give advice. And everyone just kept telling me that, oh, you, you're, you're, you're a really good friend. You give really good advice. Thanks for listening. And like, it just, it just seemed to come natural to me. I felt good doing it. And so it was always kind of the, the plan to do that with my life, but I really didn't have the confidence to actually go about doing it. Cause it's a lot of years of schooling and tests and work to do. And so, no, it, it, it really wasn't plan a plan. A was to be a, a sports broadcaster. Mm. When I got to be a senior in high school, my uh, I would take college level courses in, in high school. And my professors said, Hey, like, you got a good radio voice. Like, have you thought about going into broadcasting? And again, like the Minnesota Vikings sports for my life at that time, I'm just like, that sounds really fun. Yeah. And then ca- career day came and a local DJ came in uh, from a radio uh, company. And I think he just said how much he makes per year. And I was just like, okay, I'm not doing that. But <laughs> <laughs> like, like even then I'm just like, yeah, I don't think I can live off of that. Right. And so uh, first year after high school, I just did some general courses and then uh halfway into my second year of doing that, I just kind of felt like, let's just do this. Let's give the counseling thing a try. And, uh, 
you know, as I was going through school, that's when I got saved. And so, yeah, I knew that I always wanted to be a Christian counselor. Like I said, it's like, I, I can't help people without the Holy spirit. If I can't be vocal about my faith and how Jesus can heal you and help you way better than I ever can, then mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do this. And there may be, there may come a time, you know, with the world that we're living in, where that might be a reality where it, it's outlawed. Some of our, my colleagues were talking about that. Um, but I'm not going to live in fear or anything like that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I love helping people. And I just feel like the Lord has given me that gift where I'm, I'm able to talk with people through, yeah, these traumas and the difficulties of their life, but I can leave it there. Like I don't take it home with me. It doesn't bother me. And Mm -hmm. so I, I, I just really view that as God's grace and just a gift from him because, um, it, it is a tough job, you know, not physically because you're sitting on your butt all day, but <laughs> mentally, emotionally, it, it's really tough. But man, God's God's grace gets me through. That's awesome. So you come through being a marriage and family therapist, and now you have had multiple seasons of the Testimonies with Terry podcast. What in the world got you? started or or gave you the bright idea to do a podcast. Yeah, man, I, I had always wanted to do a podcast. I just never knew what to do one about, you know, there's so many out there and I just never felt I was um, as informed or had as, as much to offer in certain areas as other people that were already doing it. And when the pandemic first happened and things shut down, our church went to doing like online life groups. And I remember just having the idea, obviously God gave me the idea of in a time where we can't actually connect with people in person, how cool would it be like if there was this podcast and I was thinking just for my church, I wasn't expecting it to be like this thing where the whole world listens to it now, just little cold spring, Minnesota. What if I were to just interview people about their testimony? And then when, you know, we're able to meet back in person again, you can connect with that person. Like if they come on and they're talking about how they overcame alcoholism and maybe you're struggling with that, or you have that same experience. Now you can connect with them. So it was really just about connecting with people. How can you relate to people? And so I brought it up to our church and they said, Hey, just right now we don't have the time. We don't have the resources to do it. I'm like, okay, no problem. And I honestly just put it on the back burner until May of 2021. It was a Sunday morning and it was like five 30 in the morning and God woke me up like very clear as day. I don't get up that early Casey. So I knew it was God. <laughs> and he very clearly spoke to me within my spirit saying, Hey, you know, that podcast idea I gave you, it's time to start doing it. Mm. And I just got super pumped. And then I was just like, okay, I don't know how to do this though. Like I, I, I knew nothing about doing podcasts. And so, um, I always share this as, as part of the, the journey with starting testimonies with Terry, I reached out to a small group of men that I was, uh, discipling with, uh, at that time. And I just said, Hey, pray for me. Uh, God's really put this on my heart. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to go for it. And one of them texts back and says, 
well, I was going to start a podcast last year, but I never got around to it. Uh, I got this microphone and and headset brand new. It's never been out of the box. Do you want it? And like, I just took that as confirmation that just like, <laughs> yep, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And yeah, man, just really YouTube <laughs> went to YouTube to figure out how to edit podcasts, how to uh, record them, how to upload them, all that stuff. And first season, it was just me talking to people from my church. Cause that's who I knew. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just Terry. I'm a guy from Foley, Minnesota. I don't have a huge name or this Rolodex of famous people I can tap into or anything like that. So I just started, um, just with my church, with, with people that I knew had some pretty awesome testimonies. And that was season one, season two, I felt that it was time to start reaching out. That's when Chad came on. And, you know, that's, that's a whole story there too, where I sent an email to him, not expecting to get any response. And not even an hour later, he emails me back and says, yeah, I'd love to come on. And yeah, man, it's just cool to see how God has grown it from season to season. And just the guests I've been able to to interview. I mean, already season four, I've, you know, like I said earlier, Lillian Garcia, who was yeah. a pipe dream, you know, for me to to interview. And she was just so gracious. And um, and I had uh Joe Rojas from Seventh Day Slumber on, and he's he's so legit. Uh this week, Zana, Christian rock artist, she's got an amazing story. It's it's just the Lord, man. It's, it's just confirmation that when you're obedient to what he puts on your heart, mm -hmm. there's no limit to that. He just continues to open up doors that just blow me away. It is. It's awesome. And, and something that I love what the Lord has done. Like I have been a podcast junkie for a long time. You know, it, it mainly started with with wrestling podcast and then, you know, went into like uh, sermons and, and things of that nature and uh, marriage podcast and just all kinds of different stuff. And I would constantly send my family uh, when I would hear something that was a, a great message or something like that, I, I would send it to them, you know, and. Nine times out of 10, they didn't ever listen. Yeah. And now uh, I, I think it's awesome that now that we're all in this, they all have subscribed to Wrestling for the Faith, Testimonies with Terry, and After Amen. And if they don't listen to anything else, they listen to those faithfully every <laughs> week. So yep. praise the Lord for that. Because I know in in those three, at least, they're getting really good, solid uh, words from the Lord and good advice. So, And, of course, on here, a lot of cutting up and jabbing. <laughs> By the way, speaking of jabbing, uh, Chad, uh, he <laughs> – this is how I knew that he listened to last week's episode. Uh, he sent me a text. Josh had mentioned that – he reached out to contact me and Chad and was going to ask us how to get into podcasting, what we used and blah, blah, blah. And he said that, you know, within a matter of minutes or whatever it was, you know, I messaged him back and I said, yeah, the one that was not stuck up messaged you right back. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> Chad texts me and, and he's, he's got some laughing emojis that he said, 
He said, the one who was not stuck up, huh? (laughs) (laughs) He said it popped me, but, but that, that was good. And now you have a testimony where you emailed him and he got back to you. So I guess he's not all that stuck up. Right. Yeah. He, there, there's some good in him after all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love him and I love to aggravate him. Yeah. I'm not scared of him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a big old teddy bear. He he is. He is. But, uh, oh man. So w- let's go back to when you had chat on, you said you emailed him never expecting for him to, to get back to you. How yeah. was that process? And, and, what was that connection like? Yeah. So Chad, I think he was recently released from WWE at that time. And I mean, I'm I'm not in the business, but I know WWE is pretty strict on what they allow contracted talent to do. And so I figured, man, like he's not contracted anymore. And I was following him on, I think Twitter or something. And he just uh, tweeted out his booking email and I was like, all right, well, let's just take a shot here. Uh, he was the first person, not from my church that I was going to try to get on my podcast. And I remember I was at work and I just typed up uh, an email and I sent it, I prayed over it. And, uh, like I said, not even an hour later, I, I was working with a client and it popped up on my iPad that, Oh, you got an email back from like shatter six, six, eight, two or whatever, you know, Chad, I'm just like, what? Like this is happening. This is real. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, man, like we, we just really formed a a brotherhood after that. We, uh, we did the interview and I remember he, uh, he said, why don't, you know, here's my number, you know, text me your number. I remember going upstairs from recording and just being all giddy telling my wife that Chad, Chad wants my number. (laughs) And, uh, And I mean, literally there, there's rarely a day that goes by that him and I don't text and he's really become a big, uh, a big brother to me. And obviously, you know, just getting to meet you and, and Jason and just the kingdom family, right. You know, that the remnant youth retreat, man, I am so pumped for that to, to be happening again this year. Uh, I, I knew when you guys sent it out, or I think you texted me just asking if I'd be interested and I didn't even have to think I'm like, yep, I'll, I'll be there. I'll figure out a way to get there. Yeah. And, uh, man, just how, again, how God used that interview with Chad and, and wrestling to just bring us all together. I, I, I love it, man. I mean, I I've only met you once and you know, the Stroops once and, and Chad once in real life. Right. Mm-hmm. And y'all are still like my closest friends, you know, even probably closer than some of my friends that I've known here for years, just because of the depth of what we talk about. Like, this is real brotherhood. This is real discipleship. This is no, tell me how you're really doing, not just the surface level stuff. And man, I, I I love you. I love Chad. I, I love the whole kingdom family with all my heart. And I'm just so blessed and, and, just amazed at how God has worked through this whole thing. Yes, me too, man. And since we brought it right back around to that, uh, I say that's a, that's a good way to, to finish up, but man, I am looking forward to, uh, if I don't see you again before then, I'm looking forward to the first weekend in August where we will do the second annual remnant youth retreat. I know last year that, uh, you know, the Lord used you in mighty ways to to speak words uh, to primarily uh, some young ladies, and they have all been forever changed. And so 
I am I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do this year. We have all of the spots filled and I've not praise God. Uh, yeah. I've not mentioned this in a couple of weeks. So I, I, I want to throw it out there. We have filled every spot that we had. And we did that. I think in a, in a matter of a week and a half to two weeks after announcing it. And I That's mean, it's amazing. Wow. And I mean, this is no, we don't have a big, a big name church or a, you know, a big, name preacher or anything behind us on this. This is just, that's what God has done. And so we have filled every spot, uh, but we are starting a waiting list just in case uh, as time uh, draws near and people are unable to make it, uh, we will slide people in. So if your child ages 12 and up would like to come to the remnant youth retreat. If you want to get them on the waiting list, you can email us at wrestling for the faith at gmail.com. Also, I really, really, really encourage everyone to go on your podcast app, go on YouTube, everywhere that you can listen to podcasts, and subscribe to testimonies with Terry, go back through and listen to so many uh, of the the great episodes, so many people that people will recognize, like like Chad, like Lillian Garcia, and and others. But I encourage you, even if you've never heard them, even if you've never heard of them, sit down and listen because so many different people have a unique story, and. I guarantee you, listening through these testimonies, you're going to run across things that are going to help you in your walk with God. So you got anything else, brother? Uh, man, I, you know, I just want to plug my my booking this weekend in McDonough, Tennessee for Hope Championship Wrestling. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, wait a minute, what in the world is going on there? No, man, I, I appreciate those words. Yeah, subscribe. Uh, follow me on social media at TW Terry Pod. I, I love interacting with with people, and yeah, the the, the whole goal of, of the podcast is just that you would be encouraged, like like you said, Casey. I'm pretty sure throughout all the episodes I've done that you'll connect with at least one person's story. And mm-hmm. I just pray that it gives you hope and, and it inspires you to know that even if you're in that battle right now, if they could overcome it, if that guest could overcome it, you can too through the power and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's exactly right, brother. Well, I thank you so much for being on with us today. And it's been an awesome discussion and we are definitely going to do it again. But uh, guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Wrestling for the Faith. Don't forget to follow Casey Cage on Twitter at RealCaseyCage. Follow Chad Lale on Twitter at CWLale underscore Gunner. And follow the show at Facebook.com slash Wrestling for the Faith.